What's crappin' y'all? It is I, the old MC, Mac and Carol. And I have returned with an episode of my famous show, Happy Sad Talk Thing. And I'm in my new apartment, guys. It's happened. I've, I've set up my desk. And I'm excited to be, for the most part, moved into my new place. The podcast, it's, it's going on, undeterred. Well, somewhat deterred. This episode is a week late for my promised uh, bi-weekly episode. So you, you know I'm going to be dropping one next Sunday, and I'll be right back on freaking schedule. I wonder what percentage of the podcast intros are me apologizing for not having uploaded either on time or in a while. But have been, honestly, gotta say, been killing it this year in terms of two weeks. Uh, so if you're mad, you're being mean. And... If you're okay with it, you're being very nice. We have on the show today another member of the Twitch Internet Improv Collective slash show, the Everything Now Show. I love this show. Uh, I've talked much about it on this podcast. We've had previous members, Rocky Parahito, Chris Chalakian, and Sydney Adams on the show. I will never have Alex Alsup, the remaining member on the show. Alex, if there if there's a chance you're hearing this, I'm so sorry. You are banned from my podcast. I'll explain, or I won't. Anyways, <laughs> that I didn't try to. As a person who tries to do an Australian accent, sometimes that was not one of those times. But it really just came out. Anyways. So, you, we got Jake Allenbogen on the episode today. Oh, fuck you guys. So stoked. Um, this is a great conversation. I uh, talk about this uh, a bit in the episode um, because Jake asked me, you know, what it's, what it's like to have a show like this. Um, and uh, I explained that sometimes I'm like, oh, talking too much on the show. And sometimes I'm like, talking not enough. And when I was listening back to the uh, Chris Jalokian episode, which I thought was a great interview and super insightful and funny, um, I was like experimenting with talking less on the show, uh, which is usually positive. <laughs> uh, and But then sometimes I, that can leave my guest feeling unsupported or, you know, vulnerable in a way of saying like, oh, I just... You put so much of myself out there, you didn't put much of yourself out there. Anyways, I'm feeling it out, you guys. And that's why I like this show. Keeps me on my toes. Keeps me thinking, you know, about what is useful to share in the moment. All right, got to stop talking like this. Really, 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 we went on a little journey just then in terms of that accent, in terms of where that man was from. Uh, but anyways, we got a great episode. Uh, my air conditioning turned on, and it's fine. And everything is going to be fine, everyone. Okay, well, hey, uh, we're back. I'm back. It, the show's just me making it. Um, but I love each and every one of you so much. I hope you're having a, a, a nice Father's Day. Um, and I am... Uh, I'm going to talk to you soon about my own heart and my own mind. Haven't checked in in a bit. Having lots of thoughts and feelings... Uh, about moving that I will be excited to share soon. But for now, here's just like 
a fucking rad, cool conversation with a great guy named Jake. We talk about comedy. We talk about cooking. We talk about all kinds of stuff. It's a great one. It's a treat. Jake's thoughtful, funny, and nice. And here is the dang show. I love you! You know what I've seen people do before that's like helpful is like a is like trade off count. Oh, that's interesting. You want to count to ten with me, dog? Count to ten. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Why was that so hard for me to think of the right numbers? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Ready, dude? Let's do it. I'm recording an Adobe audition. You can hear me. I'm in the studio. It's looking good right now. Hell yeah, man. And lastly, before we dang get going, how's your like how's your time? Do you have a time that you need to piece by? I can go and go and go. I just ate a big omelet for brunch. I just made myself a, a beautiful spinach onion feta omelet. Whoa, pause. So pause on this description I, of this omelet. This is gonna be my first question for you. But we're gonna Okay, <laughs> good to know that we have no immediate obligations. I reckon yeah. it'll be like an an hour ish, but we'll see. Perfect. All right, it's time. Jake! What's up, man? Oh, Mackin, it's good to be here. I Dog. I'm hanging out. I'm in my studio. I'm looking at your beautiful face through my computer screen. That's right, dude. That's damn right. That's exactly right. We were going to hang in person. You were going to be the inaugural guest at my new place and then you're in the midst of a covid uh potential thing and you're being very cautious and i appreciate it and also that sucks did you have covid yet you just went super robot mode for me hold on (laughs) (laughs) now it's doing this oh i can't Should we go video hold on hold on should we go video um would this be let me see if that let's just see if that helps um all right and, and i have no like thumbnail but i do have a sick thumbnail of you Oh yeah, there's my my cute little face in front of. Uh, That's that is nice. That is a some nice beautiful like, flowers. Some beautiful flowers. Do you yeah. know names of flowers? I don't know the name of that. I know some names of flowers, but not those. Um, but I wish I knew more names. Bougavia, maybe. Those are real. I think it's. Whoa, bu- I, I think mean, it's Bougavia or Bogavia or you, something like that. You could tell me anything, and I would believe you. <laughs> well, we could go with Bogavia. Tell me more about this omelet you were describing. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, this has been my like daily breakfast now for um, I think going on like two weeks now. I have this almost every morning and it is. This is what this podcast is all about. I'm really fascinated <laughs> by people's daily, uh, just daily how they live. I, this is true. And I'm really excited to hear about this omelet. Well, I've been trying to like, basically Every time I go home to visit my parents, um, which is like three or four times a year, my my folks live in Arizona. And when I come back, did you grow up there? No, I grew up in Chicago, outside of Chicago. That's right, the the suburbs of Chicago in Oak Park. 
Um, and then your folks moved to Arizona? My folks moved to Arizona when I moved to California to go to school in 2013. Um, but I go and visit them. And then I sort of always use my return to L.A. as like an excuse to try to become a have a healthy lifestyle. And then eventually I stop and mm. then I go back. But it's like visiting <laughs> home, you know, like I'm getting home cooked meals from my mom. I'm like not smoking. Right. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm living like a pretty healthy lifestyle I'm, because I'm around my parents and I can't like go out right. drinking with friends and stuff. So I use that like week long visit with my parents as like a reset. And then I try to use that momentum when I come back yeah. to, to be healthy. And I'll like start working out again and going on walks and eating healthy breakfast in the morning and sleeping, you know, like. And eventually after yeah, yeah, like yeah. a month or two months or three months, I fall out of my good habits and I go back to living like a dirtbag. And then I go back to my parents <laughs> and, and the cycle continues. But I, I, I visited my parents not too long ago. Um, and so I'm still in that kind of like, you know, ideal Jake mode right now. The like aspirational yeah, Jake mode. That rocks. I mean, how often do you visit them? Like for three months at a time. That's like a, that's a good, at least a quarter if you're yeah. seeing them every year. I'm trying to. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. How often so do you see your folks? I see them probably three or four times a year. I would say, you know, the May, the holidays I do, I do Christmas yeah. after this time, you know, my school year just ended. Um, I just finished my first year of law school. So yeah, well, congrats, Doug. Th- thank you. Um, so I went back and visited very them hard? for that. It's pretty hard. Yeah. It's definitely harder than undergrad was, but I went to film school for undergrad, which is like not real school. It didn't feel like, you know, it's not like. I mean, it Word. was classes, but it, it was like, this feels like school school, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I went to music school. I relate to this. Yeah. So uh, this is like, you know, reading books. <laughs> a lot okay, of, a wait, lot there's of a lot of, there's a lot of amazing irons in the fire. I have to touch on a few things. According to my math, if you're going to see your parents three, four times a year, and you're rocking this this healthy Jake patterns for three months potentially at a time. You might be all set. I don't know how you're spacing them out. That can't be right then. Maybe I don't visit my parents <laughs> enough because I definitely am not healthy all the time. Uh, well, I still maybe think that's it's just cool shorter. Well. Maybe it's shorter amounts of time that it you know it it, it varies. Like sometimes I'll be able to yeah, maintain no, it I for relate. like two months, and then sometimes I'll be able to maintain it for like two weeks. And it just depends. <laughs> Usually there will be yeah. a trigger that breaks it where I'll be like, I'll have a, a yeah. particularly hard weekend out with friends or I'll be like two nights in a row of going out and drinking and hanging out. And then that will just shatter the streak. Um, yeah, I feel you. I'm coming off of uh, just moving and it was like a lot of just like not. I mean, I I probably could have cooked for myself more if I was like wanting to, but I was just like, ha ha ha! I get to order whatever food I want. Yeah, a little uh, reward, a little treat. Yeah, it was, but I had an overlap in my leases, so it was like basically just two weeks of whatever I want, which was like not great. Um, so I'm I'm at the start of like a reset myself. That's good. Um, well, a new I, venue, a new venue is a great excuse to like do a reset like a new place yes you can change up 100%. your habits a little bit you know just like reset 
Um, yeah, how, how I was thinking place, about man? this. Where, where are you? Not to like dox you, but in in like let's time. no, let's dox me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I mean. On this podcast, I do feel like I'm desperately trying to get people to interact with me on the internet. So that wouldn't be unwelcome. Just so kidding. Please go don't. to Mackin's house. Come to- knock on his door <laughs> at any hour. I live. I live in Echo Park. Um, oh, so you're not. You're still extremely close. Yeah, like a five minute drive. Um, okay. Like a thirty a thirty minute walk. If if I decided to hoof it back to where we used to live, being neighbors. Gotcha. Yeah, as neighborly as sick. possible. Literally, same, like, lot. The same lot. That's right. Next building over. Yeah. Very sick. A very very legendary thing that happened where the people in my same building, then the duplex on the other half, moved in and they were my friends, and from from already. And then the same thing happened with y'all when y'all moved in to the next building on the same lot. And I was like, the fuck? And then I left. <laughs> <laughs> that is so crazy, though. But it's good that it's you're so It's so crazy. Close. So nice. Yeah. And it's just, it was, it felt very nice. Especially, like, post-college, it felt very nice to, like, have that sense of, like, oh, my God, my friends are right over there. Um, And now that I'm living over here, it's kind of the first time that I'm realizing, like, oh, shit. I don't have, like, I lived alone once in college, but it was, like, all my friends were around. And not that my friends are too far, but this does feel like the first time where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like really on my own over here. Pretty wild. That is wild. But what was I going to say about, uh, oh, tell me about this damn omelet. <laughs> I'm dying to know. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So this is, this is a new, this is part of, you know, Jake Prime figure, you know, become optimized, yeah. healthy Jake lifestyle. It's eat Love a good it. breakfast in the morning and i'm like going to the gym so i want to like eat protein in the morning and so yeah do you go to the lord's gym around the corner from where you live the lord's gym is that what you call it? what is it called the dream center there is a the dream center it used to be called the lord's gym i think that they've like softened the christianity on the branding <laughs> that's so funny but, is that the one you go to i do yeah not to dox Hell myself yeah. come yeah come right. through uh, come to the dream center gym monday wednesday or friday morning and lift lift with me i could use a spotter i i go by myself and i'm like too shy to ask strangers i like it wasn't a problem for me like the first few weeks that i was going because i was lifting so little amount of weight that i could just i could safely do it but like now that i've been going pretty consistently i'm just starting to get to that point where it's a little bit dangerous for me to just continue lifting yeah. by myself. But Whoa. like everybody else there is so shredded, just like huge <laughs> muscle-bound dudes. And so there's no like it feels awkward because there's no reciprocation where I could, you know, like I can't spot you. Like you are benching like more than my body weight. <laughs> can you so, help me? I cannot help you. Yeah, exactly. Like I can say like good job, man. Like you look awesome, but I can't emotional spotting. Yeah, I can, exactly. I can emotionally spot you, but I can't physically spot you. And like I'm just like an introvert out in public so like the idea of approaching a stranger yeah. and being like please help me lift this heavy thing <laughs> is so mortifying yeah that me. sounds terrifying i would i bet i would be the same way in that situation that is such a like what a funny predicament of like <laughs> lifting heavier and heavier weights but running up against your social anxiety yeah and I'm that's like what's working compromising out your safety. i'm working out my body and i'm also working out my like 
I'm working through my my problems, uh, <laughs> my social anxiety. It's my social anxiety workout, which is not Damn. going as, as well as my physical. Uh, Did workout. you meet Carter, my roommate ever? I don't know if he was at the the big like picnic that we. I had. must have in the time that we were there. I think I did. Yeah. He's got. It's so funny because your roommate and uh, uh, improv group member and previous guest of this podcast, Chris Shalakian, w- went over to knock on the door one time to see if I was home because I was supposed to be on the Everything Now show that night and I was running late like a real jerk. And I ran into, and Chris told me later, he's like, I ran into one of your roommates who I can only describe as a normal looking guy. (laughs) 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 And it was so funny to me. And we all, we definitely are like the same variation of white guy in terms of like medium heights, brown hair, maybe some scruff, um, brown hair that sometimes swoop over to the side just like real stock video game character looking <laughs> motherfuckers that is and it was it was so it was so as soon as chris said it i was like holy shit that is so funny <laughs> <laughs> but anyways there's one of us that looks markedly different and it is a carter because he has a fuller beard and longer hair that it's usually like tied up in a top knot and uh he's very kind and uh and i bet and he also i believe goes to the lord's gym <laughs> um and so if you see Carter there, uh he I bet he would I bet he would spot you. Uh, I will keep an eye if, out for that. I, I think I need I need a gym buddy or something. I'm so jealous of there there's like these like groups of younger, you know, they're probably like eighteen to twenty two and they come in packs of three and they're just like they look like they're having mm. a great time. You know, like they're like it's like a social <laughs> thing for them. Yeah. It's like I want yeah. what they I want what they have. I want like, you know, a a a group. Uh, totally. I, I can never decide if I want that or if I'm like, wait, I feel like the gym is so nice to not talk and just like listen to a podcast and just like really be with myself. But also, yeah, you see that camaraderie and that like friendship going on. You're like, wait, fuck, maybe I want that. Yeah, well, I know. I totally see what you're saying, too, because it is that for me, like a sort of meditative. I put my AirPods in. I activate yeah. I activate noise cancellation mode and I just am in the zone. Uh, and that I'm gonna is stop nice. detouring us, and I gotta know about this damn omelet. <laughs> I like the bit of like we never talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we keep introing it, and then we That's just right. never. And it's like so yeah. mundane and like. <laughs> and but now there's all this pressure. It's the MacGuffin of the show. It really is. All right, I'm just gonna get it out of the way. The omelet consists yeah. of four ingredients. Uh, egg. I thought you were going to say four eggs. Primary, like, no, three eggs. Primary ingredient, word. three egg. Four egg would be insane, and three egg seems perfectly reasonable. Three egg is optimal wild. for the size of my pan and the size of my tummy. Um, yes. <laughs> it's just, it's just right. So I do <laughs> three right. egg whisked in a um, measuring cup with the little pour spout. That's important. Yeah, yeah. Then we do... Spinach, we rip mm. off. We rip off the little stems. This is. It's also like become sort of like a meditation in its, its own way, making this omelet. Like in the way yeah. that, you know, in a sort of ritualistic way. The way that I used to feel about rolling joints, like when I used yeah, to smoke yeah, yeah. weed. I used to smoke weed every day, and it was like part of the pl- the pleasure of the smoking weed was the ritual of like rolling the joint. And I had I have a f- similar feeling of making this omelet where I'm like 
Now it's Hell time yeah. to rip the stems off of my. Now it's time to crack the egg. Now it's time to rip the stems right. off of the spinach. Yeah, I've never been good at rolling a joint, uh, but I bet if I was good at it, it would feel really good to be able to do it once I like had the process down. It's very stressful in the when you're learning how and like you don't know how to roll a good one. I feel like like it can, it can feel like pressure. <laughs> In the way that cooking were, can feel like if you don't know when you're cooking, you're like, I'm ruining this thing that I have to eat right. later. Yeah, and maybe you have to ruin a couple things yeah. to get good at it. You have to crack a few eggs to make an omelet, so they say. What are you listening to when you're doing that? Are you listening to anything when you're making this omelet? Are you enjoying just the sizzles and the sounds? Are you chatting with a passing through roommate? I am... Listening to podcast usually when I'm in the gym, I'm a music listener. I don't do podcast. I need like the you know the angry yeah. music playlist. Um, totally. What what pods? What music? Music. Um, I just found this guy. The fuck is his name? I found a guy on TikTok, a rapper. I'm pulling up my Spotify right now to look at this. You um, do it. his name is. Oh God! I it's frustrating because in his song, he has a line that's like, "You're gonna have to learn how to pronounce my name," and I don't know how. <laughs> he walked you through his it name in the is song. his name is Toby Nuigwe, and I think I'm saying it wrong, but it's spelled N W I G W E. He's a rapper. He does yeah. Bangers that are just like great gym songs. I found a couple of his songs recently on TikTok, and then I was like, I want to put this on my gym playlist. So I'm listening to that type of stuff in the gym, and then I come home yeah. after that, and I'm putting on uh, This American Life is a great Make an Omelet pod. Um, right, hell yeah. I'm putting on Hollywood Handbook. I'm oh. putting on High and Mighty, John Gabris's podcast. I got to get into High and Mighty. It's a good, just kind of backgroundy, you know, you don't have to be paying too close attention, sort of, you know, voices in the room yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. vibe. Um, yeah. And Gabrus is super what, funny. He's good, he has good guests. But yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing that kind of thing. Um, Hell yeah. I'm cracking eggs. I'm ripping stems off of spinach leaves. Um, that's right. That's right. Two more ingredients. Two more ingredients. Finally... Diced onion, which I've I've optimized this system. I used to Woo! I used to di- dice the onions bespoke for each omelet, which was not optimized. I would I would mm. dice I would dice just the amount of onion that I needed for oh. that that day's omelet. And then 100%. I thought, why am I doing this if I'm doing if I'm going to be eating this omelet every day? So now I, I have one mm. of those food processors, and I put a full onion in a food processor. What? That sounds so fun. And I chop up an onion, super fine, and I, then I have like a, a week's worth of, of finely diced onion. I just throw it in a Ziploc, and then it's ready to go. I pull it out. When I'm putting onion in the food processor, I got to take the skin off first, and then just, or you just, can you just chuck that whole bad boy in there? I'm you skin off. Pick out I, yeah, I, I chop yeah. it in half, I rip the, the skin off, and then, you know, because it's, it's not a big food processor. I have, to, I have to chop it into probably like quarters in, in order to fit it into the food processor. Damn, that sounds I, like a fucking blast, honestly. It's, <laughs> it is great. It is, it's a fun, that's also part of the ritual. The like once a week onion, 
onion yeah. chop. Yeah. Food processor Woo. onion chop. We're scooping it out with a spoon. We're putting it in the in the uh yeah. Ziploc. It so is nice to just like optimize a process for yourself. And like I, once you realize like, wait, why am I doing it this way? I could totally do it this way. And you're like, I'm a genius. I'm the smartest man alive. <laughs> You joke, but that is how I feel. <laughs> no, I, I, I know I'm being very serious. I think there that is a beauty to like, I don't know, there, you know, it, you could argue that it's boring to eat the same thing every day, and it kind of is. I think like I, I sort of have this, this dread in the back of my mind that it's like one day I'm going to not, I'm going to, I'm going to burn out on this dish and I'm not mm-hmm. going to want to eat it anymore. And that'll be sad because mm-hmm. I love it right now and it's so easy. And I feel like I've found, you know, like the philosopher's right. stone of breakfast. And mm. um, but right now I'm just riding it out, man. You got to live in the moment. Uh, you got to do it. You got to do it. I was eating overnight oats religiously every morning for probably three years and then just really fell off super hard out of nowhere. What happened? What do you um, think? If you had to like psychoanalyze what the what, what it was that made you not want to eat that, because three years that's longer than I've ever done. I've I've had these you know like stretches where I eat the same thing for a while, but never three. Yeah, years. it's honestly I feel like breakfast is maybe the best thing for some reason in my head. That's like a very comforting thing to have the same thing every day, because um, it's like oh god, I know what to do to start the day. <laughs> And then by the time lunch or dinner rolls around, it's like, ooh, what do I want to do? Like, if I had to eat maybe the same dinner every day, that sounds more sad to me. Yeah, but I totally agree. Same and breakfast I, every day. I don't day know why. Sounds like a relief. You're, yeah, you're, you're definitely I right. I think maybe <laughs> if I had to like get into the psychoanalysis psychoanaly- yeah, of that, I would say it has partially to do with the fact that you're just waking up, you're tired, you don't want to expend yeah. mental energy. Um, right. And I think also it's like, Breakfast is the tone setter for the day. And so you don't want right. to take a big swing and fuck it up. Like you don't like you want to mm. kind of get into your you want to do the thing that you know you like. Cause if you if you take a huge swing on breakfast and you mess up, then it's like, damn, like that's that's setting the tone for this day. Now I have to recover from yeah. that. I'm, I'm starting in the negative. Where if you've Yikes. got your locked in thing, you're like, this is gonna check the box. You know, it's not gonna move the dial too far one way or the other. We're just gonna, you know, yeah, get moving. Um, I think that's right on. You ever make yourself bad food? Oh, God, you Remember yeah. the last time you made something yourself where you're like, this sucked, and I really, I'm mad. It's the worst, because it's just like, it's work to make food in any capacity. I mean, like, any yeah. type of cooking is effort, and then and then you have to eat it. Like, you can't, or you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's two options, which are both equally frustrating, where it's like, you throw it away, and then you're like, you have to deal with, like, the shame of wasting food. Yeah, <laughs> um, and buying something else, or you eat bad food, which also sucks. Sucks um, the worst. But again, I, you gotta take those risks because you gotta take those risks. This is true. I feel like usually I'm if I'm if I didn't do great, I'm making a medium quality meal, and that's like usually probably what happens. But I I made myself a bad dinner the other night, and it fucking got me so mad i was just like wow what a nice life i live where i'm never really having bad dinner but bad dinner man what did you make and was it was it bad because you fucked up cooking it or was it bad because it was just a thing that you didn't like eating it was bad i fucked up cooking it i was like getting into fish 
And I was like, oh, maybe get I'll get the cheapest fish. I'll get the cheapest frozen rainbow trout fillets at Trader Joe's. And I'll just defrost it when I'm ready to eat it. And it just was the grossest. <laughs> it was so gross. I love fish. It's so I love to eat it. Uh, but man, boy, oh boy, was this the most disgusting thing that I've ever eaten in my life. Oh, yeah. And bad I fish is really bad. I don't know what it, I don't know what it was. If it, it, it's a combination of the cheap fish and defrosting it very quickly, I don't know how that makes it bad. When it, if the the temperature change of over time, but God, man, it really it really fucking bummed me out. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't blame you. Fish is tricky. I I have a a fish dish in my regular rotation. I do a salmon. If you if you're oh, looking for a hot fish damn. tip, if you're looking for like an easy fish dish that's like pretty yeah. hard to fuck up. Um, how do you, uh, do you like salmon? I love salmon. I'm very curious about this. Do you cook, go-to salmon do you cook salmon ever? Sometimes. I, I've like tried it a few times recently and I feel like I haven't landed on a way where it's like, this is the way I like to do it. Okay. Well, this is what I would recommend to you. I, I took probably a month of experimenting with cooking salmon to, to, to figure out this recipe. And now I've got it. It's, it's like the Holy omelet shit. where I've optimized it. Yeah. I do it every this week. This is a gift. I You're only do, I do it once a week as opposed to every day, but I do it. Yeah, like religiously once a week. It's a great two mealer. It's a it's a Are dinner and then it's a, it's a lunch the next oh, day. Oh shit! And it's that's the best. You go to Trader Joe's, you get the barbecue cut salmon. There's like a few this different kinds question. of salmon that they sell there. You get the barbecue yeah. cut from the frozen or from no, the. No, it's, it's from the fresh. It's you're gonna get two from fillets. the fresh. And you that's want right. you want to look in the barbecue. This is also now now we're getting into the trade secrets of of this dish, but the. What you want to look for in the barbecue cut section. This is such insane content for whoever's listening to it. No. (laughs) (laughs) This is content probably for me and then whoever else wants it is fine. But I, this is exactly what what I was hoping for in these questions. So like, I also want to go back to just say like, we haven't finished talking about the omelet yet. Uh. No, there's one more ingredient. (laughs) Maybe two, I think. (laughs) Um, and we will eventually. But okay, so and, and each time it's been an earnest attempt like to finish the omelet. <laughs> so you're getting a barbecue cut. That's right. Salmon. Two it's two fillets. And and what you want to do with this is you want to find two fillets that are approximately the same size because they they mm. don't take great care with that in Trader Joe's. Like sometimes mm. you'll see two very differently shaped, differently sized fillets and you want you you're going to be cooking them together. So you want to you want to get two roughly the same size fillets. Right. Right. All right. Also gonna... great best salmon price I feel like of the grocery stores is Trader Joe's for like roughly the same quality of salmon. How come theirs is not uh 20, 15, 20 bucks like Dude, other places. I don't it's, know because you're totally right that it's like almost half price. Like you go to Gelson's across the street from the from the yeah. Silver Lake Trader Joe's and it's you get half as much fish for the same amount of money and it's ridiculous. I don't know if there's some horrible thing happening, but I'm I'm happy that it's the price that it is at Trader Joe's. Yes, agreed. Um so you get these fish, you want to cook them either that night. Or the day after. I mean, technically, you could go probably three or four days after. But, like, with fish, right. you know, fish you want to cook as – if with fresh fish. If you're freezing it, then whatever. But with fresh mm-hmm. fish, you want to cook it as soon after you buy it. So I, I 
when I go grocery shopping, whatever, once a week at Trader Joe's, I do it with the plan of like tonight's it's grocery shopping day, which means it's salmon night. I'm coming home and I'm cooking. Hell yeah. I'm cooking this salmon dish. That will be dinner tonight. So I've got, I got my two fillets. I bring them home. You're opening them up. You lay them out on your cutting board. Step one, pat dry. That's crucial. Mm. Whoa. Never done this. Oh, that's big with fish. We this my Zoom call is saying that we have ten minutes remaining. Is that going to be a problem? We do have ten minutes remaining. I will. We will hop out and hop back in once the timer runs out. If that's cool with you, <laughs> yes, that's fine. I also do this at work because I teach a lot of music lessons online, and it is just like an insane little part of my life that I do all the time. That I should just I should just get Zoom. You could, but, or do uh, you ever have you ever used Discord for this kind of thing? I have not used Discord for this, but I feel like maybe that's the just fully the move. I think it may be because it's free and there's no time limit, and as far as I could tell, it works pretty much the same way. Yeah, I think that that is going to be probably the next the next uh, thing that I do. Okay, yes, this pod- I got to hear more about this salmon. Okay, and I'm patting it dry. You're patting it dry. You're getting a paper towel. You're patting your salmon dry. Then you're seasoning it. I just do salt and pepper. You don't have to go crazy with it. Salt, pepper on the fish. Mm. Now, it's also important. You're doing your skin side down right now. You're seasoning the meat. Okay. Skin is on the bottom. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Now we've got our seasoned salmon. Uh, That's right. We're putting the pan, big pan, on the stove. Big cast iron-ish type pan. Doesn't need to be a cast iron skillet, but big, big enough to fit these two salmon fillets comfortably. Yeah. Pan on hot heat, olive oil, enough to coat coat the entire bottom of the pan, just like a thin right. film of olive oil. Pan on hot heat. Hot. We want it ripping yeah. hot. We want to see a little bit of smoke of like the, the oil like evaporating. Whoa. That's when you know it's time. Damn. Salmon, skin side up now, meat down into the pan. Into when the pan, hot. skin up. Skin up, so seasoning Whoa. side, seasoning side down in the oil on right, the pan. Right, right. And now it's man, ripping. It's sizzling. It's yeah. hot. It's in the That's pan. Right. Three minutes. Three minutes in the pan. Whoa. Then, while oh, a, a crucial step before you even take the salmon out, start preheating your, preheating your oven to four hundred degrees. Oven on four hundred. Oh shit! This guy's going pan and oven. Pan and oven. That's what they don't tell you about. They don't, they don't want you to know about the pan oven combo. Um, I almost forced you to tell me which one that you did before. And little did I know, it's damn both. That's right. It's damn both. So you're on, your oven, 400. You're in the pan, three minutes. Skin down. Or skin mm. up. Sorry. Skin up. Pan off the stove at the three-minute mark into the oven. Full pan. You're just grabbing the pan. Make sure it's an oven-safe pan. You're not you're not transferring it to a, another thing. You're just full yeah. ass pan. Throw it in the oven. Damn, uh, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, yeah. But here's you gotta be very careful with that because twice right. now I've grabbed pan out of oven mm. and burnt the shit Grab out of the my handle, hand. burnt yeah. the shit out of your hand. You Damn, gotta have you gotta have the mitt. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're in are- the oven. Eight I'm minutes. learning a lot from you. You've like really suffered for this truth, I and did. I'm just getting it for free, and I appreciate it. Well, that's what the human experience is all about. You know, we stand on the, we stand on the shoulders of giants. That's right. Fuck off if you thought this conversation was dumb. Now it's smart, <laughs> and I want to know the rest of the salmon. <laughs> We're taking the fish out of the oven at the eight minute after eight minutes of in the oven. So now we've cooked the fish for eleven minutes. 
Three in the, right. three on the pan, eight in the oven. We pull it, and the way you know if it's done is you put it back. You put your pan back on the stove. Burner's off at this point, and if and the, I never flipped it, and the skin's just been up. You this whole time? never flip. You never flip. Oh. Skin down the whole time. You Damn. the way you know if it's done is you pull it off the pan with some tongs, and if it comes yeah. off, if it comes off easy, no problem. It's done. If it's if it feels mm. like it's gonna rip. And stick to the pan. You just turn the you turn the burner back on, and you just give it one last little sort of like sear on high heat on the on the stove Whoa. until. But usually, usually after those three minutes in the pan, eight minutes on in the oven, it's done. You pull it off, and you've got this like kind of crispy, dark orangey, yeah. crunchy salmony, like almost like a fried salmony crunchy layer. Yeah. That's like that's what I want. A half a cent- centimeter thick. Seasoned with your salt and pepper on top, and then just perfectly juicy, nice yeah. salmon fillet underneath. I throw some tzatziki sauce from Trader Joe's on top of that thing. Yeah, that's right. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. oh, buddy. And you're having one of those for dinner. Maybe some pesto pasta on the side, and some veg, a, a broccoli. Yeah. You know, a roasted broccoli, a Brussels sprout on the side. You can cook that in the oven when it's on 400. In the meantime, you know. Um, yeah. And then you're saving the other filet. You throw that in the fridge. You just wrap it in some foil. And it's a nice cold, you know, on a summer day, you got a nice cold salmon filet, some tzatziki on that. Put it Ugh. in a, you know, pasta salad or whatever. Put in some eggs. Jesus, man. It's damn this good. Is really, it's this damn is really good. what's up. It's damn, damn good. It's going right in my pocket. This is, this is a big gift. And I appreciate it. <laughs> Holy shit. Hell yeah. Okay. Jake, we have not talked about (laughs) anything really about your life or comedy or the law. How long have we been going? Like 45 minutes? Yeah, I think so, which is great. Like, I I feel like every episode of this podcast, I'm like overcorrecting for how I feel like I did on the last one. Um, and I'm, I'm just like, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're riding high in the friendly sky and I'm loving it, my friend. I'm Let's hop a out. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I am as well. Let's time. hop out and hop back in. Okay. Dog, you got to tell me about, I'm curious about comedy in your life and when okay. this, when this desire started and yeah. When did, when did you get into comedy? All right, let's talk about it. But just so everybody knows, the final ingredient to the omelet is feta cheese. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Hello! It's crumbled. Did we ever get number three? Feta. I don't know if we ever got number three. It's egg. Egg, spinach. Spinach, onion, feta. Onion, we did talk about we the onion. We talked about the onion. Cool. Those and are that, the three. This was, yeah. Non-egg I liked the pacing of the omelet conversation. <laughs> I think that was the right time to close the loop. We put a bow on it at the end. There you go. Make it at home. Make the yeah. salmon. Make the omelet. That's um, right. Let me know how it goes, listeners. Message me. Go find Mackin at his house. We're doxing him. That's right. Go come tell to the Mackin. gym. Come, yeah, come to the Lord's gym. Let me know if you've got my recipes. That's Please right. spot me. That would be a great repayment for the... For the <laughs> gift of these two dishes that I've bequeathed upon your listeners. That's right. And let's not enough positive doxing going on. <laughs> oh, okay. So should we talk comedy? Talk life. Talk comedy. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Um, where where to begin? I wanna 
Um, what well, I don't growing know. Growing up in Chicago, I'm growing up in Chicago. I'm in. I'm in. I guess depending on who you ask, the suburbs of Chicago. Oak Park is is an interesting place in Chicago. I would I would mm. compare it to like a Burbank or a Glendale. In that, like, if you right. live in one of those places, you would tell people I'm from LA, unless you're talking to somebody who's from LA, and they would be like, "Well, you're not actually from LA. You're from Glendale." Yes, like, yeah, totally. Uh, it's a similar vibe. I had in the Oak same Park. experience. Yeah, I grew up in Orange County, and I, like, whenever people from out of state were like, where are you from? And I was like, here. But anyone from here, I was like, I'm not from here. I'm from somewhere else. Yeah, it's, it's like, when you talk to the locals, there's, there's like, you can't claim Chicago at, when you're right. an Oak Park kid. But, you know, it's very close. It's, it's, uh... Got you. It's the first suburb west of bordering Chicago to the west. Um, Got you. So I'm growing up there, and comedy, entree into comedy, I mean, obviously TV and stuff, like watching comedy is how I started to like, you know. Yeah, what were you fucking with as a kid that you were like, wait, this is, I'm into this? Um, Definitely fucking with cartoons, obviously, you know, your Spongebob's, yeah. Spongebob, gold standard cartoon, I think, you huh. know, hard to top Spongebob True. in terms of just like brilliant comedic writing amazing characters absurd you know like we were very our generation was very blessed with like awesome <sighs> yeah awesome cartoons i 100 percent agree i will often think about how funny it is the episode of the hashlinging slasher where they set up the whole time that there's like three things that are going on or whatever and the third one is who was flickering the lights and they're like <laughs> We're gonna end this on a on a reference to something that none of the kids are gonna understand. <laughs> yeah, no and that's gonna do, right? <laughs> no, no <laughs> Like, wait, who is fucking like like we have to Deus Ex Machina solve this whole shit in one second, and it's gonna be a, an old film reference that no one will get, and we'll roll credits. <laughs> that is awesome. I hadn't ever thought too seriously about that, but like, how fun! Like, I would have loved to have been in the room when they were pitching that idea. Like, what a bold, even for Spongebob, which, like, you know, was right. taking great, huge swings at the time. Like, right. that is a huge, yes, totally. huge swing. Yeah, um, I think about it all the time as the funniest decision that's ever been made. <laughs> it is funny. And also, like, as a kid, I don't think it was funny. Like, I saw that. Right. I was like, I was like oh, of like, course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't, like, really play for laughs as a kid but it is no yeah it's ingrained it's ingrained into all of our memories because it's just so that's correct absurd yeah yeah <laughs> yeah god spongebob's so good but that show was obviously you know all-timer arguably the best um but i like edit and eddie was huge for me yeah um, my computer using... password is is from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, I really? Won't say it. Say it. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, I've given enough uh, enough personal details. Now I'm wondering though, like what are what would make a good <laughs> what would make a good pass like Jawbreaker something? something? Uh, yeah, I I don't even know. I think it's from such a specific episode that it wouldn't even be recognizable. I'll tell I'll tell it to you later. Okay, I'm um, interested. Um, but that show is great. I mean, scheming. So good. The the abs- like I loved that like high absurdity thing that SpongeBob and Ed and Ed and Eddie had where it's just like you know mm. really wacky and I think in the way in the way that like Adventure Time and regular show sort of carried on that tradition of like yeah you know there were there were the sort of like hyper realist uh, cartoons where I would put like 
I mean, I guess, you know, there's some fantasy elements of like a Rugrats or a Hey Arnold, but those were like real world, you know, there wasn't a lot of like magic, weird, crazy shit happening in those shows as much. Yes. Um, and they were good too. Like I love some Hey Arnold. I love some Rugrats. Um, and now I feel like there's cartoons that are just sort of like knockoffs of like reality. You know, there's like total drama, like things where it's like, this is just like a live action show that they've chosen to animate. Which right. is fine, yeah. But you know the best. You know it's a cartoon, so like why? Right. Just make a make a real show if if you're not going to do like insane shit that you can only Bad accomplish shit, magic, crazy. with yeah. animation. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was that was sort of like on train to come, and then of course Amanda Show. You know, in, the in Amanda terms of Show exposure to like performance comedy because i'm not watching snl when right. i'm a kid i'm not watching mad tv or you know i'm watching all that and the amanda show which is like the kid version yeah. of those shows which is has there ever been anything like the amanda show i was thinking about the amanda show the other day and just being like what a brilliant special moment where it was like a, a kid's live sketch show like what the fuck i know i'm <laughs> surprised. so good i think they brought back all that or they're bringing it back or like they've you know I don't know if yeah. you can do it anymore. Because even like adult right. SNL feels sort of like, you know, from a bygone era a little bit. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But God, it was so, you know, Amanda show, it was like peak of that like random humor when that was still cool. Yeah. And, you know, bring in the like, dancing lobsters. Bring in the dancing lobsters. Maha. The block, block blister. <laughs> block blister, which is like an all timer. The like. Eastern Europe, vaguely Eastern yeah. European blockbuster where they would just shoot their own <laughs> version of every movie. Wow, I fully forgot about how much I love that until you just brought it back into my mind. Oh, those are the best sketches, <laughs> in my opinion. Where it was an angry customer would come into Blockbuster and it was Drake Bell and Amanda Bynes pretending yeah. to be these like weird immigrant kids. <laughs> be like, oh, you wanted Star Wars? I thought you wanted War of the Stars. And it's just them <laughs> standing in like their basement shooting some like horrible, horribly acted knockoff of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, it was a great Good bit. God, man. And you could just yeah. do it forever. You could do it for every movie and it would always be funny. Yeah, um, that's so good. Yeah, so that for sure was an influence on me. Um, and yeah, I was just like, you know, I liked that kind of stuff. I wanted to do that kind of thing. I was like, not a class clown, really, in the traditional sense of like, mm-hmm. you know, drawing focus during class to like do fart sound. You know, it was much more just like me in my in my close friend group. I would do like impressions and stuff. You know, ripping off things I saw on TV, stealing yeah, from totally. stuff that my friends hadn't seen, and just pretending. You know, passing it off as yeah. mine. A hundred percent. I do really quickly just like the idea of a class clown that's drawing everyone's attention to do a fart sound. Like, everyone gather around, gather around. I got something really good. I got a great new bit. I've been workshopping. (laughs) Am I right? You seen this? You heard about this? I yeah, love that's class, right. like, class clown who's who's like a fifty year old stand who has the yeah. vibe of like a fifty year old like failing stand up. Like, what's the deal with with fart noise? Yeah, <laughs> like smoking a cigarette in fifth right, grade. Yeah, He's got it's like, like old timey setups. Vibe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but all the punchlines are just farts. Oh. Damn, that's good. 
Yeah, I was not that guy, unfortunately. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, God bless him. Um, but I relate to the, uh, yeah, doing impressions of things on TV that people hadn't seen and being like, "This is my, this is my joke." <laughs> this can be for me. I mean, I think that's how every funny person, you know, like you don't have any original ideas as a kid. Uh, You know, you're just ripping off other funny stuff. But that's how you sort of learn the rhythm of comedy and like the structure of jokes and stuff like that. And eventually you start to have your own original thoughts and build off that. Um, Mm. Yeah, well, hell yeah. So I did, you know, I was stealing other people's material in middle school as one is wont to do. And then in high school... I do you remember what that middle school material that you were like? What, do you remember what those impressions were? Or what oh they would be? gosh! I mean, I started getting into stand up a little bit, um, just like finding yeah. it on YouTube and stuff. Like this is when YouTube was just starting to be a thing, and you could find like you know Comedy Central presents type stuff on there. Um, yeah. Fucking Mind of Mencia, which is like horribly <laughs> for a, for like I, a, a white Jewish kid from <laughs> the Chicago suburbs to be like doing. Carlos Mencia bits stealing, ironically stealing from Carlos Mencia. <laughs> um, I remember Mind of Mencia though, and just like what a wild time in in uh, in culture. That's just like Mind of. I was just thinking about Mind of Mencia, and I was like, oh man, none of those jokes really age good at all. Oh no, not at all. But it was great when I was in like sixth grade. I think Mind of Mencia is the only thing. Oh, yeah. I think I bought an episode of Mind of Mencia on iTunes and I think it's the only yeah. thing I ever have bought on iTunes was one episode totally. of like season three of Mind of Mencia. Yeah. I mean, I was watching it. I was loving it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it feels taboo. You're like a little, you know, suburban kid who's just like yeah. you know, listening to edgy humor. Um, so right. That's yes. kind of the stuff that I would be ripping off. And then in high school, I started taking classes at the Second City in Chicago, which is, you know, like the big, Hell yeah. the big comedy theater and school there. How um, did you think to do that? Like, how did that come across? How did that option even like occur to you? That's a great question. I really. Is it a thing you just like knew about? Um. I guess so. I mean, like, you knew about Second City just because it was, you know, like an institution of Chicago. But, like, I don't even know, you know, if you weren't into, I think if you were into theater, like, if you were, like, an art kind of kid, if you you were, like, a jock, you probably, even if you grew up in Chicago, you probably didn't know about Second City. Because at that point, it wasn't, you know, like, the huge, you know, like... In the 90s and 80s and stuff, you had, you know, your Tina Fey's and, and Bill Murray's and Colbert and Carell. Like, they were all coming out of Second mm-hmm. City. And by the time I was in high school, you know, there, there were still people who were, like, you know, getting... Actually, funny story, when I, was, when I started taking classes at Second City in high school, my sketch teacher at Second City was Alex Moffat, who is now on Saturday Night Live. Whoa! Hell yeah! Um, and he... <laughs> I took I took his like teen sketch class. He was a you know struggling comedian in Chicago at the time, working a day job at like some shitty startup app company or something. And uh, I took his sketch class. And then after that, me and like five other kids from that sketch class formed our own like independent little sketch co- YouTube sketch yes! comedy group and Fuck had him hurts. as our director. And like every. What? Like two weeks. That's awesome. We would meet in some shitty Chicago apartment and like write and shoot these like dumb YouTube sketches. And Alex Moffat would come and like we'd pay him 20 bucks to just like give notes. Yeah. And like walk us through. Um, that fucking rules. What was this? So what was your. Eyesight. What was your uh, Alex Moffat directed 
teen sketch group called? I think our name was Face Cake. Um, and it was Hell like yeah. named after those like, you know, those like grocery store sheet cakes that you can get where you can like have a photo printed on it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Face Cake. I love Face Cake. Um, that's yeah. good, man. So that that's was our great. sketch. Whoa, that rules. Yeah, it's cool. There's like one horribly bad and offensive uh, sketch on YouTube right now that I can't take down because it's not on my account. Um, that is one of our sketches. I won't say the name of it, but if you do, if you do enough digging, you can find it, and it features. Yeah, I, Alex Moffat is in this in the sketch <laughs> at the end. So Hell it's just yeah. high school me and like these other you know nerds from Second City Sketch Class. And then Alex Moffat, you know, SNL cast member <laughs> from like 2009 Damn. or whatever. Um, that rips. I but, bet if I was writing and, and shooting sketches in, in high school that uh, there would be some some ones that I would not be proud oh of. Oh, God, it's so bad. Uh, I'm shocked that like of, his people yeah. haven't found a way to get that off the internet yet. Like, I think it's just mm. so obscure. Like, it has like 900 views that like they're just like, nobody's seen it. Let's not draw attention to it. Um, right, right. But it's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> I think it hey, maybe man, is on you know, his IMDb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> time time humbles us all. Um, Hell yeah! But yeah, so I start taking classes. Second City. I take a. I think I. I think I start by taking a stand up class. Um, and I'm watching stand up. I'm watching sketch on YouTube now. Like YouTube sketch comedy is becoming a thing. I'm watching like Derek right. comedy. You know, like the yeah. Um, uh, Donald Glover I was, group. Yeah, I was way into that. Randomly, my sister, who's like not like I wouldn't classify her as like a comedy head. I don't know how we found that channel, but we were obsessed with Derek comedy. Oh yeah, they were awesome. I mean, they went on obviously to be huge. Um, or at least Donald Glover became like a huge celebrity. But all all those guys have you know made careers for themselves in comedy. Yeah. Um, but they uh, were just like, you know, I think they were like NYU film kids at the time, just like making YouTube sketches and putting them out. And I was finding those good neighbor, the good neighbor guys. I was watching their yeah. YouTube videos. Hell yeah. Um, so it was just like, a, it was like a good time for sketch comedy on YouTube. Right. Like it was sort of like a burgeoning new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was watching a lot of that. I was taking classes at Second City, taking stand up, taking sketch. Taking improv, took my first improv class there. Um, Hell yeah. And just like getting into it, like being like, this is really cool. Meeting other kids who are like interested in doing comp, like, you know, the actual art form of comedy, you know, like the. Yeah. Um, you know, getting better at it as opposed to just like being the funny kid of their friend group, like you treating it as, you know, an art form. Um, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Cool. Um, this and rules. Then, and then, yeah, and then I went to college, and Chapman had an improv team, and I was, like, the nerd who, before I even got there, like, during the summer before, I was, like, DMing the Facebook page for the improv team and be like, hey, I'm an incoming freshman, and, like, I really want to audition, and I think you guys are really cool, and I hope to see you on campus. This rules. Um, I love that. This seems like a a linear, pure progression of just, like, liking this thing, being involved in this thing. Were there any, like, in terms of performing comedy, have you, do you feel like there were any, uh, like, big revelations in terms of, like, 
what you liked to do, what you didn't like to do, finding your voice, that type of thing, or was it more this this linear, uh, just like no, it's just like getting into it and and doing it slowly and slowly and found the next thing. Um, gosh, yeah, I think it does feel pretty linear. Like I can't think of any. I don't know. I've I've never felt particularly attached to any one style or medium of comedy you know like i think stand-up is cool you know like mm-hmm. I, I like watching stand-up i've done a little bit of stand-up and i enjoy doing it i think the lifestyle of a stand-up is really you know sort of prohibitively arduous to like right <laughs> really you know like the amount of dedication it takes to like go to open mics and deal with that you know yeah. stay up late go out to bars and like do shitty open mics and yeah get time on stage like that I think sort of turned me off to stand up as a lifestyle totally. but as a medium I think it's really cool um and then improv totally. is obviously great you know like the the collaborative element and social element of improv is really exciting to me and sketch is yeah. cool you know like having a finished product and like being able to put it on YouTube you know like I don't yeah I just like comedy you know like I just like yeah. I, I love to just like talk wax poetic you know there's the expression of like you can dissect speaking about a joke like it's like a frog where you can dissect the frog and but it, this that kills the frog like you can learn how it works but it kills the frog like mm. you can dissect a joke and and analyze why it's funny but it makes it not funny anymore and i'm like my feeling is just like yeah but there's so many frogs so it's like who cares like analyze the joke yeah! it's cool like you can learn it's Whoa. so fun to analyze it's so fun to like i don't know i i think it's fascinating like what makes people laugh Right. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. There's so many elements to it of like, you know, your background, your cultural background. And then there's the like, you know, biological thing of like tension release and, and, uh, you know, re- there's theories about it being like a release of fear where it's like, you know, you're right. Um, you have stress bottled up and, and laughter is that feeling of stress. Like the, the idea that a threat, something that you felt was a threat is dissipate, you know, like all that sort of like, Sciencey mm. shit like that stuff is cool and interesting to me. Um, Hell yeah, and fuck frogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck for there's a million of them. Who cares there's if you dissect many one damn of them? Frogs. <laughs> um, there will be more frogs. So dissect some. You'll learn something. <laughs> That's beautiful. I've never heard that dissect the frog, dissect a joke metaphor, but I like your take on it. Is that yeah? There's plenty. Yeah. That's uh, sick. So yeah, I like I like comedy as a, you know, audience member to like watch comedy and like to, yeah. to just watch it to be funny, but I also like to watch it as a student of comedy to like, you know, analyze joke structure. Oh, setup was that, you know, like in a thing in a non-traditional joke when you're watching a stand-up like storyteller stand-up being like, "Oh, okay, well that part of the story was the setup. That part of the story was the punchline. Like here's why mm. he timed it out like that way." Like I think that stuff is all pretty fascinating. Right. Yeah. Um, that's sick. Yeah. Do you, you were telling me at the, the cookout hang that we had as neighbors that you were trying some, at some point you tried like improvised standup. Yeah. That is super That's fun. Sick. I haven't found a place to do that again. Um, it used to be at the pack theater here in LA pre pandemic. They would do like a weekly yeah. standup improv show where they would like project a word behind you on like a projector. And that was sort of your jumping off point, And then you would, you're supposed to just riff on that. Um, yeah that's fascinating to me it was so fun i mean like that's the other thing about stand-up that's very intimidating is like there's an expectation that 
your material is good because you took the time to write it. And like, you know, it's very vulnerable right. in that way where I feel like improv is less vulnerable because at the end of the day, everybody knows like, yeah, he's just making that shit up. So if it's not funny, it's like, well, I just came up with it. You know, like, what do you expect? I literally right. just, right. whereas with standup, it's like you spent time working on this and like, you <laughs> think it's going to be funny. Like you're, you're saying these things because you feel like it's going to resonate with people. Um yeah. And you yeah. had the chance to edit yourself and you didn't you decided not to. Um Yeah. So that I'm thinking is why about I love improv like stand up. Yeah. That rips. I I I'm in thinking of in my own life like I I am not as much a student of comedy as yourself and I I admire your your in-depth knowledge of it and that's sick and I I I like comedy a lot and I like learning about it. Uh, so I have that desire. Um, but I feel like on the, the, when I was hearing you talk about like dissecting the frog, I feel like for me, it's like I've maybe thought about songs the most that way. Mm. And like in thinking about performing, like songs are interesting because it's songs are like kind of like stand up in the way of I've had a while to kind of get this down. And the, the craft of it is like what I, what I the work I did before, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's very um, vulnerable in the same way as stand up. You know, you're putting yourself out there in the way that you you are with stand up. I think you know a piece of, your, yeah. of yourself. And the crafting of stand up like happens in the moment though. Where like song is like okay, we're co- essentially come on this roller coaster ride that like I already have plotted out, and then like stand up is like this moment to moment feedback and like, but all so it's like. I guess, and and then thinking about improv as like fully reacting in the moment, and like stand up almost in between as like there is this like pseudo extemporaneous thing where it's like I want to feel like you have this this thing that you've made before that you've like worked hard on and like thought out, and like I feel like that is a lot of the joy of stand up is just like someone revealing this like crafted thing, but then also reacting in the moment, and then like. You know, when like in, in, in like a bad example of it is like when someone like is pretending that they're coming up with like a riff or a tag on something, mm-hmm. but it's like clearly like, oh, that's part of the joke. I don't know. That's just I don't even know what the thought is I'm having. I guess I'm just sort of like thinking about performing art and like when it feels extemporaneous and that's exciting. And then like because sometimes in songs, I'm like, oh, man, I wish there were more like moments to improvise song you know yeah well that, um, that's that an interesting difference so between performing live music and live stand-up i think in terms of just the the interaction with the audience is yeah I feel like with stand-up you get such a more visceral feed and and instantaneous feedback of like either they're laughing or they're not laughing like it's a very binary yeah. response where like and you can sort time. of cater your performance to that, where it's like if you're starting to bomb, you can at least like kind of you you get that feedback right. instantly, and you can react to it. Whereas with music, depending on the type of music, but like across the board, I feel like it's a it's more of a spectrum in terms of how the audience is reacting. To, you know, like if they're just kind of bobbing their heads, yeah. like that could be like they're really vibing with it, or they're bored. You know, it's like <laughs> harder. It's harder yeah, to totally. tell. And there is like an energy in the room that you can for sure pick up, but it's less it's less yeah. explicit than like the binary laughing yeah. or not laughing of stand up comedy. 
Yeah, and I'm not like writing the song based on how the audience is saying. Like, maybe a little bit. I'm going back and being like, "Oh, we lost him in the bridge, boys." But like, I I admire that stand up craft of like, oh, like in order to write it, you have to go on stage a lot, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And like, I can true. I can sing my mediocre song, and you guys and probably people will like politely just sit there and then like politely clap, even if it's like not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's there's not the equivalent of that really in comedy. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, stand up is very is very vulnerable in that way where you're like at the low. I feel like the the highs are extremely high and the lows are extremely low. It's very polarizing uh, stand up as a medium. Um, and I, I Imp- yeah, go ahead. No, I, you go. Um, I think there, there, that exists in music too. I like not to yeah, say that yeah, like yeah. you can't have a bad, a horrible bomb bombing show. Um, but I feel like, like you said, like it's it's less likely that people are going to be like offended by bad music, whereas with bad <laughs> comedy, like you can make like I feel like you'd have to be insanely bad at music for people to be mad at you. Whereas, like, you Damn, don't have so to be right. that bad at comedy for people to be mad at you. Like, you can, like, really ruin, you can, like, very easily ruin somebody's night with bad comedy. Whereas, like, bad music, I feel like, is. is I hated not, that it's song. Harder, it's harder to, like, offend somebody. Yeah, I think that that is true. That's interesting. What made you want to go to film school? Um, I didn't. Where, where does film fit in your heart? Uh, I didn't mean to go to film school on purpose. Yeah, I Word. applied to Chapman as a communications major. Um, Word. and I was basically just like Chapman as a as like a world class film program, and I don't think I would have gotten in had I applied as a freshman film major. But I didn't even know they had a great film program. I was just like. This mm-hmm. school is giving me a good amount of money and I want to go to California because I've lived in Chicago my whole life and how mm-hmm. awesome to live in California and like go on this adventure far away from home and like totally reinvent myself or whatever. And yeah, and I like comedy and I know I kind of like doing performance stuff. And so the idea of L.A. is enticing. Um, but I was like, I'm going to be a communications major because that's sort of like a nothing thing and I can just sort of figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. and it was fully a nothing thing. I have no idea what a communications major is. I got to school, um, freshman year <laughs> as a communications major, and um, actually, I heard Chris tell this story v- sort of from his side of uh his perspective because I listened to Chris's pod, uh, Chris's episode Hell of your yeah. pod because I didn't want to just like completely repeat everything that he said about everything now and all that stuff, um. But from right, my perspective, a lot of your guys's history is is intertwined. But I am curious about about your your experience and and your perspective on those shared experiences. Yeah. So freshman year, I got to school, and it's like orientation. Setting week. you up to say the thing you were about to say, anyways. <laughs> I, I mean, that's what. It, <laughs> wait, wait, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Okay, then you were maybe gonna say this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be. I, I considered briefly, like if it would be a funny bit if. If I came on your podcast after Chris's thing and just verbatim said yeah. exactly the same shit, like all the exact, all the exact same stories, 
like almost word for God, word. God, that would rock. It was just the same episode. <laughs> um, just all the same anecdotes about like fun. Chris's audition for Improv yeah. Bank and like the dinner, that, the dinner that we went to before and all that stuff. Just like telling the exact same story. <laughs> Um, and just have people just lose their minds being like, wait, is this this? Is <laughs> the this am I listening to the same one? What? Um, but yeah, so I got I got to Chapman freshman year. It's orientation week, and our dorm building is like this uh converted motel, basically, that all mm-hmm. the um all the doors opened outside, like the, the dorm bedroom doors opened outside, like at a motel. Um, and it's three stories. And our building, our dorm building, is split half film kids, like half uh, film majors, and half like communications business majors, which is what I was. And so the first floor is all film kids. Second and third floor are like communications and business. And in this first week or in this first night, you're supposed to, they were like, go to this meeting place and... It's just a meeting with all the other people on your floor. And, you're, you know, it's like one of those just mm. bullshitty kind of get to know you kind of things. Um, and I wasn't paying attention when they said where to meet. So I left at whatever after dinner, eight o'clock, and I just saw a group of kids congregating. I was like, oh, OK, maybe that's where I'm supposed to meet. And I just went over there and I started, you know, just kind of shooting the shit with some some kids. Um, mm. And then. Like a half hour into this thing, I realized like, oh, these are all the film kids. Like they, I'm at the wrong meeting, but I'm like having a great time. <laughs> like I'm like meeting like I'm, you know, riffing bits with like these kids. I'm, I met, I think I yeah, meet Chris, yeah. Chris and Tommy that night. Like we're just like, I just happen to, you know, wander up to them and we start chatting and I'm like, you know, getting to know them and they're cool. They're, like the, the film kids are are like the more sort of like bohemian, cool, interesting, artsy kids. Like even aesthetically, like you can tell there's a difference between like the film kids and the like right. business majors or whatever. And so I realized I'm at the wrong meeting and I'm like, oh shit, I gotta, I should go to my, and I go to my meeting and it's just so dry and boring and the kids are like all, you know, no offense to them. I'm sure they're all nice people, but it was like night and day of just like, oh, these film kids are like right. my people. Like these guys are cool, right. creative, interesting people. Um, you know, the artists crowd. Um, I want to do, I want to be around them. Um, Damn, that rules. And so I found out then that Chapman had a great film program. It's like whatever top six or seven film programs in the country. And I was like, how do I get into that? And I, after one semester as a communications major freshman year, I just transferred. I, I applied for the TV major uh, at Chapman. And I think because I was already at Chapman, I'd already been accepted. It was way, you know, I, I think if I had just cold applied to the TV program as a high schooler, you know, going into Chapman, I don't think I would have made it. It's, like, very competitive. But because I was already in Chapman, I think the bar is lower to just tra- to transition majors. Um, mm-hmm. And so so then I was a TV major. And I finished, I graduated at, um, out of Chapman as a TV production, writing and production major. Um, but even then, it wasn't, like, because I was, like, really passionate about writing and producing TV. I was just like, these are cool people and I want to be around the cool people and make cool things with them. And like, they're creative and interesting. And if I'm writing sketch, that's cool. If I'm doing improv, that's cool. If I'm working on, you know, if the idea is like, eventually I'll produce a feature. That's like, the medium was not particularly in, like 
important to me. It was just like, I want right. to do comedy. I want to make comedy in some capacity. And the film school seems right. like the best way to, to meet other people who have similar ambitions. And, you know, I'll, yeah. learn, I'll learn how to make stuff there in the meantime. That's fucking sick. That's beautiful. I love that it starts as a, oops, I went to the wrong place. Um, but I feel like in, in like a very improv spirit, it like, it, you, you were like, yes, ending your life. You're like, wait, 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 let's, <laughs> let's, let's go this way. That's fucking sick. That definitely was what it was like. That was actually my, my college entry essay. I did, I did an essay about yes and, the concept of yes and. Yeah! It's just, it's so corny in hindsight, I'm sure, but. No, but that's, um, but, but that's what's up. That is, it is what's up. So that happened, got in the film school, and then simultaneously I did the improv team, which I know Chris talked about, but um, but yeah, I, I auditioned my first semester, didn't get on. Uh, actually, it's interesting for me, because the, the, the first freshman year, there was, for the first time at, at Chapman, there were two improv teams. Another, there mm. was the, like, there was, like, the what I would consider like the varsity team, the main improv team that had been there since like 2009. So it was 2013 when I got there. So it had, it was sort of, sort of established. It was this improv team, mm-hmm. like the main improv team. And then there was this, this other guy who created his own improv team as sort of like a alternative. And I think they were mainly focusing on doing short form improv where, where the main improv, improv Inc, the main team on campus would do long form improv. This guy was like, and I don't know if it was because like he didn't make the normal improv team, and so he's like, oh, "Fuck it, I'll just start right. my own." Um, but his—I don't even want to say the name of it because it becomes embarrassing. I think later. Um, but there's this alternative <laughs> alternative improv team. So my freshman year, I auditioned for the for both improv teams, um, and I don't make right. the, I don't make Improv Inc. the main improv team. I do make yeah this other improv team, right? With like a handful of other rejects from the, from What's, the auditions yeah. to the main one what is and, that feeling like of uh i know you, you mentioned like reaching out to the team beforehand and like i i guess i'm impressed and i admire the because was, you're such a rad improviser and the, the, the tenacity to not take that moment and be like okay i guess this is not my thing it was like, a, no it was sort of like a double-edged sword because on the one hand i was like damn i didn't make the team like that sucks but on the other hand, I was like, okay, like this is a good team. Like, not in like an ego way, but kind of in an ego where I'm like, if they didn't mm. want me and like I've had improv training at Second City and like there are other people in that audition who were better than me that they wanted more than me, like this team doesn't fuck around. Mm. Like they're not, they're not like a team where it's just like a club where it's like, we'll just take anybody. Like it's actually right. fairly competitive. So it didn't make me be like, mm. I don't want to be on this team. Fuck them. It was like, oh, okay. Like I need to get better at improv so I can be on this team because they take it seriously and they're good. Whoa. Um, that rules. What a beautiful response. But so I, I got onto this other improv team in the interim and I was like, I'll just do this. Like maybe this will be cool. Um, and it was not cool. <laughs> it was not. Oh no. It was just like pretty poorly run. We never did shows. Yeah. It was only practices. It felt like a club. Like in the way that the other team right. was like a team where it was like we are, it's almost like a sports team where we have practices and right. we have shows that feel like games. Um, mm-hmm. This felt like a club where we're just kind of like meeting weekly to goof around and there's no there there. Um, and so yeah. one night, 
like halfway through the semester, I skipped a practice for my improv team to go see a show of the main improv team. And yeah. I didn't tell the co or my like the president, whatever, the leader of, of my improv team that I was doing this. I think I said I was like not feeling well or something. And I went to the real Damn. improv show and I was sitting down to skipping to watch improv the show. to go see improv really rules. <laughs> yeah. So, so lame. But so No, so I didn't mean that it that way. I was just like that, just like I just that's fascinating and cool. Um, so I was sitting down to, to get ready to watch the, the, the main improv team and I hear my names. He goes, Jake. And it's, it's the president of my improv team. And, <laughs> and he's like, why are you here? Like, I, he's like, we can't, I canceled practice because like un, not enough people like were showing up and I was like, oh fuck. And so then I was just like. I'm caught. So I'm like, look, man, like I don't, yeah. I don't feel like uh, it's working out with the team. Like it's nothing against you personally, but just like, it's not the vibe that I wanted for this team. And uh, yeah, good for you. it just doesn't feel right for me. And he, he was like, he's like, well, you know, that's a real shame. Cause like, I'm, I'm good friends with the guys who are on the main improv team and on improv oh my Inc. God, this is high drama. And like i know oh my god and he's like he's like and like i don't want to like have to like tell them that you're like not committed you know like if you were to audition for their team later like i you know Fuck. i don't want to like i was like are you fucking like blackmailing me that you're gonna tell Damn. the other improv team that i'm like not a good teammate because I skipped. I'm gonna your... pause you here only because Zoom is gonna kick us out. <laughs> oh yeah, and right, right, I'm deciding right. now that this is actually gonna be like a commercial break, and I should have framed it like this originally. But this is high drama, and I'm like, I want to hear the rest of this tale. Let's hop back out, hop back in after this commercial break. Okay. Yo, thank We're you back, for baby. Thank you for tolerating this uh, truly insane system that I have created <laughs> no problem this is this is totally fine by me i, I also i should have asked you like do you have a heart out <laughs> like is i don't it, I know i, I know your don't. show is like not like fully standardized amount of time but like you don't do like three hour episodes right like we should find a time to like end this at some it, point oh uh, dude i mean like i'm i'm chilling i'm curious i'm curious to know more more about you i'm i'm happy to to keep ripping um, I won't. I won't keep you all damn day. I'm having um, a great time. I love talking about this. Me shit. too, I man. Love talking comedy. This is such a yeah! fun show. As like an Hell aside, yeah. I don't want to get too distracted, but just like I wanted to talk to you about having a show like this. Like I'm very envious. My my buddy Noah Marger also. You know Noah. You've, you've met Noah, right? I think so. Um, probably. Um, he he has a or had. I think it may be now defunct, but he had a podcast called um my favorite podcast where he would have people on and just talk about their favorite things. And I love this format That's of awesome. podcast or it's just like me too, a show to talk to your friends, just like to chop yeah! it up with buddies. I love that. I love it too. And I, 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 I like shit on myself and the show sometimes in terms of like, Oh, who cares? But in, when I'm looking for a podcast, it's usually just like, 
people that I fuck with and then they talk about whatever and I like it. <laughs> and so like, I guess like that the hope is that of this. Um, and usually if it's like, like very much Hollywood handbook, I feel like is an excellent example of like, if they're having a, a good time and they're interested and uh, enjoying it, then I, then I am too as, as the listener. Oh but, yeah, Absolutely. I'm I'm happy to talk more about, but I I, I don't want to create an omelet scenario with oh my this God, improv you're right. story. <laughs> you're completely. But I right. would I I'm absolutely uh I yeah this I'm 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 happy to to chat to chat show and I'm because I also feel like it's wait I'm doing it right now you got to take us back to the improv okay we'll moment. put a pin we'll put a pin in in, in in uh podcast talk but I want I do want to come back yeah. to this because I have some questions Fuck for you yeah um, oh hell yeah. But okay, so let's let's finish up the improv story. Um, it's it has yeah, a, it, you, it's got a great you, arc. You ditched improv practice yes. to go see the improv show of the team that you fucked with, and then you ran into the guy from your other improv team, and then you had this confrontation moment where you're like, you know what? I actually am not fucking with this team. I mean, it's I don't think it's the right vibe. And then this guy kind of threatens you and says like, oh well, I actually know the other guys, and actually. I don't want to have to say that you're your shitty improv teammate. Yeah, that's exactly where we left off. And it was crazy in the moment. Like what a weird simultaneously high stakes and low stakes interaction where it's like, it yeah. felt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Just totally. like, I was like, fuck, like I'm not going to get onto the improv, like onto the improv team where part of it is like in hindsight it's like who fucking cares it's your college improv team and also but it was also just like that would suck like for what it became in my life which was like a huge important thing where i met all yeah. my best friends it was right. this pivotal moment and i was like fuck this guy so it like ruined my night yeah. i left i left the show pissed i was just like yeah. i was like i can't sit and watch the show now because now i'm like you know, all in my head about, well, now how am I going to get on the team next semester? This guy's going to shit talk me to ostensibly his his close friends who are the presidents right. of the main improv team. What a dumb, spiteful idiot, I must say, at this point, <laughs> this man. <laughs> so I leave and I go hang out with like Chris, um, who at this point is like not into improv yet. Um, mm -hmm. And we're just like, I t you know, Say my piece. I'm like, fuck that guy and whatever. And we're hanging out. And then I'm yeah. like, all right, well, like, I'm going to still, I'm going to still try to get on this team. Like, I'm going to get better at improv. I'm not doing this. So I take, I decide to take a class at Groundlings in uh, Hollywood. The Groundlings Theater is, yeah, a, yeah. is the improv theater here in LA, um, which is like there, there's two sort of main improv theaters in LA. There's, there's UCB and there's Groundlings. Groundlings is sort of like LA's. Second City. It's like they're, you know, they're, it only exists in L.A. And they, it's it's a, you know, a farm team for SNL. They, you know, aim, or, um, Will Ferrell and um, who are some other big names who have come out of ground? I think Will Forte came mm. out of Groundlings. Like the big, big kind of like character mm. people. Melissa McCarthy right. was, was Groundlings. Right. Um, so a great improv theater very focused on character performance improv, whereas Second City was more of like a, and UCB are sort of more like writer's improv, where it's like much mm -hmm. more, I guess, like cerebral, like, you know, doing improv t as to inform sketch writing, whereas uh, Groundlings improv is, is more like doing improv to inform 
comedic acting and performing. Um, mm. So I took, I decided to take this class at Groundlings, and I didn't have a car at the time, freshman year, so I had no way to get mm-hmm. there really. So I, I convinced this another friend of mine who I also won't name because the, <laughs> what happened with this. This guy, I'm yeah, still yeah, fr- yeah. this guy, I'm still Drama. friends with, but yeah, we t- we I convinced him to take this Growlings class with me, and it was like a nine week program or something. And after the second, and he had a car, so he would drive us to L.A. from Orange, which is like a 45, yeah. 45 minute drive on yeah. Saturdays. Um, and so I was like, great, like I have my ride, and so we sign up for this class, we pay for the class, and it's a nine week thing. And after the first two weeks, he decides I don't want to do this, and. <laughs> Oh and no! Fails. And I'm like, well, I still do, and you were my ride. So now, right. for the remaining seven weeks, I would bike from Orange, from Chapman what? to to not to LA. I wouldn't bike to LA. I would bike to Angel Stadium, which was like a a half hour, forty five minute bike ride, and then I would take the train, Damn. the like Metro Link or whatever, from Angel yeah. Stadium to Union Station in LA and then I would Uber from there to Groundlings. Uh, Fuck yeah, man. That is that's every like week. man. That's so sick. Like that is really inspiring me and just being like cuz I was about to to I was also just thinking about like how hard you work on the Everything Now show and I uh, like I remember that one time I uh came over to borrow a mic stand and it was just like uh because I happened to be playing a show down the street from y'all's old place, uh, and you very kindly lent me a microphone stand, uh, and you guys were just like sitting around writing, and just like just the amount of time that you that you that you put in, like you're you're so you're so funny and hilarious as it is, and then also to see the the diligence and craft that you guys put in as a team and you individually, and then also hearing that like backed up in this story of like taking a bicycle to take a train to take an uber to take a class like that's fucking that's awesome as fuck that's very street of you yeah i mean it's it's a labor of love you know like it it's i do it because it's it doesn't feel like work i mean like riding my bike to angel stadium sucked for sure like i wasn't like this is fun this is awesome (laughs) um but the class was great i learned a ton um you know, I it was my first exposure to like real like actor types in LA, like people who were like uh-huh. trying to like train to be professional performers. Um, right. And I took this class; it went really well. I felt like I was doing good stuff in that class and learning a lot. And then that was led up to second semester of college, and I go out for the improv team again, and I make the team, and flash forward. Two years after that, Hell I yeah. become president of improv, which was like a great, there's a great like full circle moment of like yeah! that guy, that guy from the original improv team. I ran into him at one of our auditions when I was president of the team that he was oh, like, I, I'm going to tell these people not to bring you on the team. And it was just like a beautiful. Yeah. He wasn't there. To, that would have been really great if he was there to audition for the team. And I could have been like, whoa, no. yeah, I was gonna ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forget, I forget what he was doing there, but we ran. I ran into him at those auditions, and he was like, a, you know, friends with somebody else who was auditioning. He was there. Yeah, and you were and trying to lord your little improv clout over me. Yeah, and now I'm and, the damn president. And here we are, two, three years later. Um, damn. 
So that was cool to do that. And Improv Inc., you know, I, Chris talked about it a little bit on, uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, retread that ground. But I mean, everything he said about it being like hugely influential in in terms of his, you know, like the creative process and like growing mm-hmm. as, a, as a creative person and as a comedian was totally true. I mean, like it was really lightning in a bottle, just like an incredible experience that I feel like is so mm. unique in that Chapman's improv scene was like a sport, you know, like we didn't have, we had D3 sports teams that no one gave a shit about. And so like the cool thing to do on a Thursday night was to go to the improv show and like get fucked yeah. up, like get drunk pregame, go to the improv show and then go out to a party or to the bars after that. Um, yeah. And so the that vibe was great. awesome. It was just like 250, yeah. 300 drunk college kids who were there to see improv. And it was like a cool thing. Um, and like nobody Fuck, gets yeah. that. That doesn't even exist in professional. Yeah. Like we always talk about like we'll never do improv for 300 people again because that doesn't exist in real life. Like there's yeah. no <laughs> even like professional world class UCB improvisers are doing shows for only like 90, 100 people. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, that's so special and cool. So it was it was amazing. It was like such an awesome way to cut our teeth and to get used to performing in general. Um, you know, the nerves of being on stage, you know, like if you can perform in front of 300 of your peers, then like doing an improv show on Twitch or, or like, you know, a class yeah! at UCB or whatever, it becomes so much easier. Um, so it was awesome. And obviously I met all my closest friends also, in the, you know, Rocky, yeah! Rocky, Chris and Alex were all, um, Alex, also a former president of Improv Inc. He was the president before me. Um, we all met on the team, and that's how you know we came to eventually make Everything Now show. That fucking rules. And this was exactly my next question. When did you get involved in this in in Everything Now? Show? I didn't know that it was Alex and Rocky were the were the first two people uh, in its inception. I think of it so firmly as as you alex rocky and chris yes Um, so and now i'm trying to think of like what chris talked about and like how to add new information to this um but yeah so basically chris also been rocky started it they were living up in the north in north hills um and alex you know like his classic line that he says about in, in terms of his reasoning for wanting to Started was basically just a frustration in the amount of work that it takes to produce video content. You know, like we were mm. we were making sketches. Like Alex, Rocky, Chris, and I after mm. during during college and a little bit after college, we were shooting. We were trying to be like a YouTube sketch group. You know, like a dare comedy, hell yeah, good neighbor thing. Um, so we would write. And then we would shoot and then we would edit and then we'd put it on YouTube and nobody would watch it. And we were like, what are we doing? Like, this is taking so much fucking time. There has to be an easier way to make content. And like, I don't want to spend time Mm. editing. I don't want to spend time writing or lighting things or or casting. Like, I just want to turn on the camera and the show is happening. And then when we turn off the camera, it's done and I don't have to edit it. Um, mm. and so I think that was sort of Alex's philosophy, um, with, um, 
with creating the show. And then the, the secondary component was like wanting to create a platform for all of our funny friends to like make mm. stuff. Um, where the idea was like this was going to be like almost like a comedy network where like any of our cool friends who have ideas for shows or performance stuff, live performance, rather than having to like book time at a, at a real theater, um, could just come beyond everything now and do their thing. Yeah. Um, so that was the original idea. Alex and Rocky started making the show together. I don't even know when, like 2018 or whatever. And then shortly thereafter, I started coming on as a guest, like not part of the core creative team, but just like Mm -hmm. to do character bits. Cause it was, it was, it was all sort of pre-written early on in the way that like curb Mm -hmm. your enthusiasm is pre-written where they, they have a loose outline of like the beats of the episode and then all the dialogue is improvised. It was, it was a lot like that early on where we would, we would write the, the bits, the character bits, and then we would improvise Uh the dialogue, but they would have sort of like a three beat structure, like a beginning, middle and end. Um, Whoa. I gotta go check this out. That's fascinating. Um, but after, I really don't remember exactly how long it was after, from when they started making it to when I was on the team, but pretty early. I think I was the first person besides the two of them that joined everything now. Um, Hell yeah. And I came on as like a writer, basically, because it was because it was written. So we would like meet. Right. We would meet. It would be once a week. And it, it was like SNL almost where we would like meet the the Sunday to talk about what the show was going to be that following Saturday. And we would write the sketches and then we would start making the visual effects and we would start casting it. And then that Saturday we'd do the show and then we'd start it all over again. Um, yeah. And Fuck. my sort of thing that I brought to the show, like my philosophy that I always was trying to impress upon the show and bring to everything now show was this philosophy. Like my, my thing, if, if all thing is about like, I want to make content that I don't have to edit and just be done with it. My my philosophy with everything now shows like I want to make a thing where we're answering the question like why is it live? Like why is this? Mm. Because again, it was like we were coming from a sketch background and I didn't want to keep making right. a show that was that could just be a sketch. You know, it's like there's it, there has to be a reason for this show to be live other than in the way that mm. SNL could also be a sketch where it's like where it could not right. be live and it wouldn't matter. You know, like it's right. You know, all the best SNL content is is their digital shorts now. You know, like those are some of their funniest right. things because it's polished right. and it's edited, and they can take the best take and they can use you know different camera angles and stuff that they can't do on a live stage. And there, mm. there's there's a certain magic to SNL, you like knowing that it's live. But like the beauty of Twitch as a medium and live streaming as a medium mm. to me is is the interactive component. The fact that your right. audience your audience can be somewhere remote in some far off place and be interacting with your show in real time and can affect what's happening in the show. Um, Unreal. And that I think is what makes everything now unique. And I think that's what makes yeah. the medium unique. And that's why like every, whenever we were coming up with bits and ideas for the show, I was like, how can we, how can we, why is this live? How can we introduce an right. interactive component? How can we let the chat vote for this part? How can we, Pull words right. from the chat during this part. How can we eventually mm. this that the sound alerts came into play? Like the chat can pay right. five dollars to trigger a phone to ring or you know, fifty cents to make yeah, a yeah, fart yeah. sound happen. Like 
that to me was like what I wanted to do with the show. Um, and yeah, and over Embracing the, last, the medium of it, and yeah, like what is this a new? What is the new element of this rather than how can we do the the old the other thing in this place? Yeah, because then it's just like do be on be a YouTube sketch group, which is fine. Right, but it's like it would you'd be making better content if you were not doing interactive stuff. Like your content would be better quality if you just took the time to edit it. So if we're not going right. to, if we're not going to do that, then let's fully use this medium. Like yeah. let's let's push it. Let's let's you know let's push the boundaries of what you're able to do with this medium. That's um, so thoughtful. That's so sick. And so so the show started to evolve away from the sort of pseudo written sketch hybrid show that it was and also like it was unsustainable Mm -hmm. to do that every week like it was just like even even if we were having fun doing it which we were but like even if um we didn't come up with this interactive sort of bent to the show it it is so much work to write a full yeah what, what it was like two or three hour sketch show every week and have it be good so we were like, we got to mm-hmm. move away from that. We got to find a way to make this still funny and entertaining, but not have to spend a full afternoon and then some writing sketches every week because we just can't do that. Um, so that's how it started to become more improvised, like more more loose into what it is today, which is basically like a predetermined setting and then a fully improvised show based in that setting. Um yeah. And it's a lot of fun. It's come a long way. It's really evolved. It's fun to go back on YouTube because Rocky is is the sort of like master archivist of Everything Now show. Um, he put all of our shit on YouTube. And so you can go back literally to like the first episodes of Everything Now in 2018 and see, you know, Alex screaming in their living room, no green screen, some like weird, bizarre yeah. character. Rocky as his the character of his stepbrother manning the engineering desk, which was in the shot during those days um, and see how far it's come to today, which is like, you know, it's still DIY garage band kind of vibes, but it's way more polished than it was before. I am so impressed by like the, the punk rock spirit of it while also like you guys have like you guys also go so hard in terms of uh like the the tech aspect of it and just like yeah just like building a full green screen studio and like all of the um visual effects and sound effects like it's it's so like the the gung-ho aspect of it but also just like the i guess they're related and just like oh let's let's figure out how to how to make this uh badass and interesting and cool and it's just it blows my mind it's so sick it's it's it feels really special and and fun to get to uh to get to come and and do comedy with you guys yeah well we love having you on i know chris chris mentioned it on his pod but you you have the like one of the most iconic everything now show bits which is the the (laughs) meatloaf big big night out for the boys song which to this day gets played every, you know almost once an episode it's our raid notification whenever we get raided on twitch it's it's Mackin's voice going big 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 night out for the boys <laughs> so you are with the show forever and always that makes me genuinely so happy i i um 
it's funny because like so much of like it's really nice getting to talk to you in a longer format because so much of the time that we have spent together has been in like two minutes before uh uh just like batshit <laughs> characters for two hours <laughs> and then two minutes of hanging out as ourselves uh at the end um and so it's it, it's a it's an it kind of happened when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons with my Dungeons and Dragons group in terms of like meeting a group of new people kind of based around an activity and you only like a lot of it you are playing a character of somebody else and so it's it's interesting like the cumulative time that I've spent as Mac and talking to Jake which I think is cool Totally. Um, well, that's a great. And I, it's nice to balance that out. You know, that's a great segue into what can be, if we need it to be, the last topic of of this pod. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but talking about the, this format, this and this show, because you're a hundred percent right that, and it's it's the one sort of regrettable thing about everything now show is that we have these amazing guests who come on and do the show, and. Like you said, like in the in the half hour before the show starts, like I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, setting up vMix and making sure the sound effects work and like get so I don't get to like hang out and talk to these cool people. And then for the next mm. two hours, I'm fucking Johnny Baseball, the Eastern European guy <laughs> who's shrieking at the camera and like can't have a normal conversation. And then the show's over and everyone's just beat to shit from yelling for two hours. <laughs> And, you know, you don't want to hang out and it's 10 o'clock at night and it's a weeknight and you want to go home. Um, So you can't hang out. And that is the beauty of a show like this where, like, you know, we aren't wearing wigs and we can actually talk and be ourselves and, like, get to know each other a little bit better. But it's still a show. It's still, you know, it still feels like, you know, it scratches that exhibitionist performer itch of, like, I want to be making Mm. content. I want to be, like... That that makes it feel like commercialized in a way, but in the way that like I want to be sharing something is maybe the more right the more yeah. um, you know charitable way to say it. It's like I want to be you know expressing myself and and, and making right. things that yeah. other people can maybe relate to and 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 enjoy. Um, but also, it's fulfilling that you know desire to to actually hang out and talk to my friends. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I go back and forth with I'm like, what's is this anything? <laughs> but uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, it like is just a nice excuse to um, yeah, just just get to know people and like get to hear stories like the ones that you've shared today, like in a context that I feel like it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same, and I wouldn't get as much of an excuse to uh, to. Uh, to just ask you questions and it's just I, I i like the format of a of a podcast in terms of like i i like the conversations that it brings out um i feel like they wouldn't happen otherwise yeah you're um, totally right i think i mean that is because yeah we could like go get lunch or something but like i think you're right that like it, it the the podcast framing that it's like kind of a show makes it easier to have these comp you know you know it gives you a way to naturally ask for stories and like probe in in a way that you might not necessarily if you were just casually going out to you know grab a bite to eat and you know talk about you know just shoot the shit um that's all you want i actually i made a 
in, in the similar for for the same reason of wanting to have an excuse to mm. to do something like this. I had a very short lived interview show on everything now during the pandemic when we were like trying Whoa. to. We right, were, right, right. We were just trying to fill time and like keep the stream alive, basically, because we yeah. couldn't we couldn't do the actual everything now show because we all had to be isolated, obviously. So we were just like all each of us were right, trying to do our own independent sort of like side hustle streams that would just would, would stream on everything now shows account as a way to sort of like remind people that we exist and like hopefully not lose our full audience when right. eventually we would come back. And so my version of that was. I was at the time the only bachelor of the Everything Now group. Sydney was still on the team at the time, and every yeah. all the other all of my castmates were coupled up. You know, uh, Chris, Rocky, Alex, and Sydney all had significant others. Right. So I was I was the bachelor of Everything Now show, and so I I created a show um, called Falling in Love with Blank, and it was falling in love with whoever my guest was, and the the premise was wow. A flawed premise in hindsight didn't didn't work, but it was it it was doing the um there there's this group of questions. It's like thirty six questions to fall in love. It was like developed by a sociologist or something. It's like you're like supposed to do it with your partner, and it's like they yeah. they become like increasingly more intimate and like um. You know, like the first ones are like pretty superficial where it's like, you know, like what's your favorite food kind of stuff. And then the end, it's like what's something that like truly terrifies you is like at the end it's like some, you know, like they get like super. What's the scariest food? Yeah, like really deep. They're all food. What's your scariest food? (laughs) You said what's the scariest food? I was like, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody phrase it that way. (laughs) 36 questions about food food to fall in love. Um, Oh, no, I said what's your what's the scariest food? Yes, that. (laughs) Like, what's your favorite food? And then the last question is, what's the scariest food? Like, they're all they're all food <laughs> they're all food related, related, but they get darker, they're increasingly intimate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like thirty six questions, and because I wanted to do this, but I was like too yeah, I was too afraid to just be like have a show where it's just like bring on a what this show is, which is the the purest and most beautiful form. Of a show like this, which is literally just like, mm. you're my friend. I want to talk to you. Let's shoot the shit and talk about interesting things about your life. Like I, you know, like that is what I ultimately wanted to do. And I was just like, mm. I, I have to couch this in some sort of gimmick to make it feel like a show. Um, right. So the the like love angle was just like, you know, dressing you know to to make it to make it feel like it was a thing but really what i wanted was just like an excuse to talk to people that i thought were interesting and yeah you know uh it was fun the problem was that because it was the same 36 questions every time and the way it's supposed to work is you're supposed to ask each other back and forth right i would be answering the same questions every week which is like (laughs) that doesn't make sense um right of course yeah but it was still fun. It was cool. The visuals were fun. I would sit in like a giant golden throne because it was on the green screen. So I would put myself in like a giant like, yeah. heart-shaped throne and there would just be like Bad-ons. hearts floating around. You know, it looked are fun. Are these on YouTube? Can I go check these out? They are on YouTube. There's a great one with Hell Noah Marger yeah. as one of my guests. Um, Bad ounce. And um, who else did it? Uh, Taylor Reynolds, who's a friend of the show, did it. 
Um, I think there's only four episodes, but they are on YouTube. I think if you look up, if you go to the Everything Now YouTube channel and look up Falling in Love With, you can find them. I would like wear a suit, act like I'm on like a fancy date. Um, it was fun. Man, that fucking ounce. It was fun. Yeah. I would like to bring something like that back, but I, I think I would probably just want to do something closer to this where it's like less lift and just like, because that is, like I said, like at the end of the day, like I'm jealous of a show like this where it is just a way to talk to your friends about whatever you want, shoot the shit, learn about them. Uh, you know, it's just so fun. It's so free. Mm. It's so pure. I, you know, sometimes I don't appreciate that aspect of it. Sometimes I'm so stressed and worried about it. Uh, and also, like, I, I've, I've edited, I used to edit the shit out of the show and, like, really, uh, really go in there and take out all the breaths and ums and ahs and, like, Sometimes it can be a little brutal if there's no veil of like, oh, this is a character or like this is another thing or it's just like, oh, it's just like sometimes it is a brutal amount of self um, when I'm just like editing myself, <laughs> talking about <laughs> myself and I'm like, this is fucking exhausting. Um, but I, it, it is, it is nice just to be able to to wander and like there is the like discovery aspect of it that I think is really fun. How um, how it, as the host of it, how have you felt that your hosting has evolved at all in terms of like in the early ones? Did you feel like you were talking more about yourself and now you've talked about yourself to the point where you don't want to talk about yourself anymore, or do you feel more comfortable now? In the hosting position, like, yeah. has the show evolved? What a in any thoughtful, way like good question. I think so. I think like I like well, still go back and forth. Like uh, on the interview I did with Chris, I feel like my because basically when I I feel like the show has made me a better listener, mainly because you can kind of like like going through to edit it or listening back to it just to make sure I didn't like fuck up the audio of it. Um, I, it's it's a weird sort of like conversational review where I can see like, oh, I was really holding on to that idea there and I missed something that they were saying and I stopped listening because I was, I really wanted to ask uh, a different question or something. Um, and it's like, sometimes it can be like a dark sort of like perfectionist shit, which it's like, I can't, that's, we, there's no time for that. <laughs> but like, it is, it, I feel like it has made me a better listener in terms of just like, oh, I, I can say less and and have uh, a more interesting conversation or like fi finding the vulnerability in moments and like looking back and being like, oh, I got really like self-conscious there. That was interesting. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, part of it was like, oh, I, I'm always kind of, I'm, and I'm still figuring out like, when do I talk too much about myself and when do I talk not enough about myself? Like, because when I, like, my philosophy was just, like, basically, I'm usually annoyed that I talked too much on the show. And I'm, like, I'm having other people on. I want to hear about them. And so, with Chris's episode, I, like, particularly was, like, I'm really going to try my hardest to listen and just, like, try to, as opposed to, like, sharing an anecdote about myself, just, like, ask another question or just, like... um and it was, it, I thought, I, like, I was personally having, like, a really interested time, but then uh, in listening to Chris uh, describe it when we, when we brought it up on the stream, he was like, oh, I talked so much, and I was like, oh, sometimes, maybe if I hold back, maybe that'll make somebody else uncomfortable in terms of, like, feeling overexposed. Um, and so, and I know Chris is also just, like, 
being funny uh, and and self-effacing like I am as well. But I so it's a balance of like, oh, I like the vulnerable sharing of it. And I don't want to just like and sometimes there are other like conversational shows where I'm just like, OK, Pete Holmes, I've heard this anecdote before. Like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, you know. And I'm just so I, I sometimes I struggle back and forth with that. But also like thinking about some of my favorite interview shows, I'm just like, well, I, I do also like this host and I want to hear a part of them. And so in terms of like seeing where a conversation can go, it is like I'm always wondering how much of myself to share to make the conversation better. Because if I share nothing, then it it's, it can leave a guest feeling uh vulnerable in a way where it's just like oh well like i just told this personal story and and you didn't say anything and now i feel like i'm just kind of like naked out here alone um well i've so i've not felt naked at any point during this hey and have I'm... you felt naked and alone <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually looking at it like while you're talking about that i'm, I'm looking at the waveform of the recording that I'm doing on my, you know, I'm recording in Adobe Audition right now. So I can actually yeah. see a visualization of when I'm talking versus when you're talking because yes. there's gaps. And I talked a lot. <laughs> so. I No, I'm, I love it. I'm, that's, that's so interesting that you brought that up because that is also like an indicator of like when I pull up the Pro Tools session of a, of a recording and I can just see like, oh, I talked too much. And I, and I think it's like part of a, uh, like, I heard that's the most common question that Oprah's interview guests asked after the interview is like, oh, was that okay? Like, was that, did I, like, do good, essentially, in the interview? Like, was that interesting? And, like, I think it's a very human thing to have that just like, oh, did I share too much of myself in the, in this moment? And I feel like that's why I started podcasting was, like, I really liked the human vulnerable share of it. Um, it maybe used to be like more <laughs> personal and I feel like as the pandemic happened and I feel like I've gotten stupider, <laughs> that it's become like a little bit more of just like a silly pee pee poo poo time. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's an experiment and it ultimately like brings me closer to people. Um, and it's just like nice to hang and very, very, very thoughtful of you to ask. Um, and it's it's funny because I'm always like thinking of like like this episode and Chris's episode. I have had these D and D dice in front of me because there are a couple like solo episodes where I've started this uh, like RPG video game, and I was playing it by myself and just like making up a story. And then I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna start playing it with guests, and that'll be fun." And if we run out of stuff to talk about, I'll just like make I'll throw somebody into this. Uh, adventure and i was gonna do it with you today and i was gonna do it with chris last time but both times it's like it's felt irrelevant and shoehorned in and then there's been too much other rad stuff to talk about so i i was gonna make you play blimbus forbidden souls with me <laughs> but that sounds like um, a good time well if i if i am uh so lucky as to come on again i don't know do you do repeat yeah. guests have you ever had a repeat guest on this show I've had my dad on a few times. Um, (laughs) One time this was a lost episode where it didn't record and we both ended up crying in terms of like, we had this really beautiful, vulnerable moment that I wish was recorded, but wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened without the podcast. Um, Where the, my pro tools like 
took a shit. Um, but yeah, Dil, come back on and play Blimbus Forbidden Souls. But also, I'm I'm thrilled that uh, that the conversation naturally happened in a way to where I didn't have to uh, didn't have to go to this gimmick. Um, <laughs> although it would be a fun time. Um, thanks for making time for this. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks it for absolute all pleasure. of your uh, time, like including me. And everything now, show like it's brought so much fucking joy to my life to get to do improv and like with people that are excellent at comedy and really nice and just like man, it's a it's a it's a true fucking joy. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, just like to to know you and to to keep witnessing this this comedic adventure that you're on. Um, and yeah, man, where can people where can people find you and your shit? Um, I will just plug the Everything Now show. That's my main, that's my main thing right now. My main bag is uh, twitch.tv slash everything now show. You can also look us up on YouTube. Rocky is doing some really awesome highlight reels that he's now uh, releasing pretty regularly. So if, if you feel intimidated by dedicating two hours to watching a full episode of Everything Now show, because it can be a lot, check out the YouTube, get a, a, a sense of whether or not you think it would be cool to watch. Um, you can watch the highlight videos, but it is a lot of fun. It's way more fun to watch live. I'll say that. Like if, if you're on the fence about after it, watching a, a recorded version of that episode on YouTube, give it, give the live show a chance. It's really fun to be in the chat. Um, but yeah, twitch.tv slash everything now show, check it out. Use my salmon recipe. Go make some salmon. Yeah. I sure as hell will. Um, yeah, shouts out Trader Joe's. Make some salmon. Make a make a nice omelet. Uh, and enjoy your life. Hell yeah, man! These are my favorite episodes. When it when it uh, we've talked for a couple hours now, and it's like, oh man, I still feel like there's so many questions I want to ask you and stuff. But it it feels like, uh, yeah, man, gotta come back. We'll we'll chat some more. We'll play this dumb game, and uh, yeah, man, thank thanks so much for coming on and uh, and chatting and sharing. And have a great rest of your Father's Day. Hell yeah, you too, man. Oh, shit, it's Father's Day. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I got to go call my dad. I got to call my dad as well. Bye, Jake. See you, dude. Bye, man. Take care. Thanks, man. I don't know